0: It is Locked on Jazz for the 30th of September, an Ask LOJ Day that leads to an incredible question about the optimum lineup for the Utah Jazz. Plus, who's been a surprise? Why do we love Walker Kessler already? Who's our glue player? And what do we do with Malik Beasley? A bunch of questions coming your direction from you on an Ask LOJ Friday. It is Locked on Jazz. Pum bum 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 you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen every single day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in. Five-star review, thumbs up, all appreciated. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell button to be notified of what's coming up. Our YouTube question of the day, what are you looking for on Sunday? Sunday, Jazz preseason game number one versus Toronto. 97.5, I think it's a 4 o'clock start our time, Uh, so make sure you grab it. right, it is an Ask LOJ Friday, I love that, hashtag Ask LOJ, it's when you submit your questions uh, to the show and I kind of hit your pulse of what's going on. And we've got some really, really good ones today, including, someone asked about lineup, so I did a bunch of work on it. But let me, um, let me jump through a few of them and then we'll get to it. So let's start it off right away. Uh, by the way, oh, one note, kind of fun thing today, this week I got to do. I was going to share with you. I went down to Bilt Bar this week. And got to go into the studio and play with them making brand new flavors. I'm sure I signed an NDA when I walked in, so I can't tell you what the new flavors are. Super cool to see the process. I think his name was Cameron, who was like the tester. He was super cool. Met with a bunch of other guys on some other stuff. We got some fun stuff coming, but um, really fun to be down there. I did notice that Cookie Dough Puff is gone, and I forgot to order. Oops, mud pies are available. So you can use Locked On 15 uh, for that. All right, let's get to it. Um, Let's, super fun. All right, let's get to it. Here's our first question from TJ Gale. With the current roster, what is your prediction for the best lineup for this year? Hmm. Well, this kind of led to our second question, too. Question, what are your thoughts? Oh, wait. No, that's actually a different question. So what are your best lineups for the year? Sorry, there was another question about lineups that's going to probably come up. So let's get to best lineups of the year because I do think that we can do some interesting things on best lineups of the year here And what that is, is there's a wonderful tool from bball Index. And B-Ball Index will allow us to plug in some lineups and then see what they look like. So let's take our first lineup, and I'm going to share it on our YouTube screen if you're watching. Um, and here it is. It's Mike Conley with Colin Sexton, Lowry Markkinen, Malik Beasley, and Kelly Olynyk. So again, that's Conley, Sexton, Beasley, Markkinen and Olenek this is quite an offensive lineup so and and this and what B-Ball Index does is gives us a bunch of scores that we can look at and see what they say so and and this only is looking at this offensively right now um, but this lineup might be just putting our five best players other than Jordan Clarkson out on the floor um, and dealing with it uh, and playing back at the four so this has a, an offensive rating for of a LeBron of an 82% level offense. That's pretty good. Scoring gravity is also at 82%. So this group should according to all this really score really really be able to score and a perimeter talent of shooting in the 86th percentile. So according to the data here, then you kind of look at so it also has your ball dominance, your one-on-one talent your catch-and-shoot talent spacing, <clears throat> your ability to get to the rim, your ability to score at the rim, and your offensive rebounding talent. So this lineup, according to B-Ball Index, shows that this would be an 82nd percentile offense, pretty darn good. Scoring gravity in the 83rd percentile, really pretty good. Perimeter shooting talent in the 86th percentile, really good. Not very good again the rim. Very average at scoring at the rim, very average at getting the rim, and only okay playmaking and offensive rebounding. So there's one choice. There's Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markinan, Malik Beasley, Kelly Olynyk, as one choice in here. Let's go to another choice here. Now I've taken Sexton and moved him to the bench with Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Lowry Markinan, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk. So now we just got super long. Right, We're now 7 feet at the small forward. Jared Vanderbilt is 6'10", and a live wire and a Linux 7 feet. This one also puts us, interestingly enough, in the 83rd percentile offensively. Um, and in the 85th percentile in perimeter shooting talent. So similar kind of result on a lineup that I actually built as probably being a much more defensive-minded uh, lineup Now, the scoring gravity is in the 76 percentile, not quite as good. Really poor team at getting to the rim, interestingly. So you suddenly have three seven-footers, but Mark and vanderbilt and linick are not guys who get to the rim very much. Conley doesn't get to the rim a great deal. Beasley doesn't get to the rim much. He's just a shooter last year. It's a much better offensive rebounding team, kind of similar playmaking team than what we had before. So what is our optimum lineup? Like, this one's interesting. Conley, Beasley, Markin, and Sexton. So let's go to our next one. Let's play Let's play again. Here we have... Um, now, this one I put Mike Conley with Colin Sexton, Lowry Markin, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk. So it's the big... It's the Markin and Vanderbilt, Olynyk big, but with two little guards. Understand we also have Sexton's 2022 numbers here, not 2021 and this and no Malik Beasley this lineup is now in the 79th percentile offensively for LeBron ratings which is down from the 80s that we were again not a very good scoring at the rim this group doesn't have kind of the seem to have the same elite shooting perimeter. everything's kind of in the 70th percentile the scoring gravity's in the 75th the catch and shoot 69th the perimeter shooting 79th so the Conley Sexton two guards with three bigs does not seem to peak out in the optimum lineup uh, of that, let's continue. Again, remember this is the Sexton last year's numbers, not this year's numbers. Um, so this now puts Mike Conley coming off the bench, which is the number one question I got this week on Ask Loj, which is should we bring Mike Conley off the bench and have Colin, and with Colin Sexton starting? And and my answer actually might be the exact opposite. Should we have Mike Conley starting and Colin Sexton coming off the bench? And we'll talk about that. Coming up. But here is this group. Now this is the least good offensive group yet. So this is Sexton with Beasley, Markinen, Vanderbilt, and Olenek. And that's at the 72nd percentile offensively. Doesn't... Scoring, grabbing the 73rd. Still... And not very good at getting to the rim. Still in the 40th percentile. We don't seem to have a team that naturally gets to the rim with any of these lineups if we look at them. And that's kind of... That's a pretty interesting kind of early find to this. And... um Anything else on this line on this one, it's not not as good. You take um, you know, Malik Beasley is kind of the the elite shooter here, right? Catch and shoot spacing for Malik Beasley's in the eighty eighth percentile. Same thing for Markkinen in the eighty eighth percentile. Perimeter shooting, they're both in the night you know, close to the nineties. Uh Sexton last year had such a bad year that his numbers are a little misleading. So I think that's important to look at that. These are off the 2022 numbers on Sexton. I couldn't get B-Ball Index to give me the 2021. So um, here's another one. And that this one is you're starting Mike Conley with Colin Sexton. So you have both the guards. You keep Malik Beasley. You play Jared Vanderbilt, basically, and Lowry Markin. So you're almost playing Vanderbilt as your center. This lineup gets into the 79th percentile offensively. Leap perimeter shooting. That's back up at the 83rd percentile in perimeter shooting. Again, only average a game of the rim. That's just our personnel, it seems. Our playmaking on this one is okay. Um, and the scoring gravity is in the 74th percentile. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, and this was a great question. I'm glad we did this. What jumps out to me here is when you kind of start to play with this, and then you have to ask yourself, this was all offense. Like, what's our best defensive lineup? You go back and play with this a little bit, and you throw out this conley sexton Markkinen, Beasley, Olenek. So that's got to be our pure offense lineup, right? Colin Sexton, Mike Conley together with Malik Beasley, Lowry, and Kelly Olenek. Uh, that is pure offense. That's in the 82nd percentile of all lineups. Uh, offensively and in the 86th percentile of perimeter shooting and 83rd percentile of scoring gravity. That that group can really score it. Uh, this group, which was Conley, Beasley, Markkinen, Vanderbilt and Olenek. Now, this group is huge, right? Mike Conley's 6'1", Beasley's a 6'4", 6'5", Markkinen's 7 feet, Vanderbilt's 6'10", Olenek's 7 feet, also comes out in the 83rd percentile of an offensive team. That's uh, and, and part of it is because it it moves itself up to the 80th percentile in offensive rebounding, still has the playmaking, perimeter shootings at the 84th percentile, scoring gravity's not quite as good, <clears throat> but you have Beasley and Markkinen, in the 88th percentile of catch-and-shoot spacing. Linux pretty good, his, and Linux scoring gravity is off the charts, one of the best there is because of his position. And same thing with Markin. So this one's super interesting to me, that our optimum offensive lineup, which would be Conley, Sexton, which we talked about a minute ago, which is the, con, at least in my opinion, our offense is Conley, Sexton, Markin, and Beasley, Linux. Those are just our five best offensive players put on the floor at one time in the B-Ball Index, it comes down to the 83rd percentile. Now, again, a little bit of that is because Sexton's numbers are 2022, not 2021. And I just, uh, B-Ball Index doesn't have the last year's numbers. But it's interesting to me that you go and plug in this lineup, which is Conley, Beasley, Marken, and Vanderbilt in Linux So we're huge. And the offensive rating comes out as the exact same. The other lineup that I think a lot of us were interested in is Conley, Sexton, Marken and Vanderbilt in Linux. And that one, again, a little bit because of Sexton, doesn't come out quite as good offensively. It's only in the 78th percentile, but its offensive rebounding numbers are good. That's still a really big lineup. So that one's, that one's super interesting. The, the, the takeaway here is that Markin and Olenek are unique enough talents with their scoring gravity and their spacing that you can play them maybe with Jared Vanderbilt and not hurt yourself offensively. That, to me... A really interesting kind of takeaway uh, while playing with that. So that was our opening question. That was a lot of stuff. We're going to start getting flying here. But I thought that was – so thank you so much to TJ because I thought that was really interesting and eye-opening to what we might see this year, that the idea that actually in and Linux passing, uh, particularly a Linux passing, but they're shooting and they're scoring gravity, opens up the game to let them play with Vanderbilt who doesn't have that gravity and we can be massively big. Now, defensively, we're just going to have to be big um, to cover that up. So, I don't know. You you tell me what which, which you think of that uh, on that. Today's show is brought to you. Uh, give me your thoughts on the YouTube chat room on those lineups, what you think is the optimum lineup uh, for us as well, what you think the starting lineup should be. Also, what are you most excited to watch for uh, in Sunday's Game 1 versus Toronto from Edmonton. It'll be live on 97.5. FM. All right, uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to stop by, let us give you the VIP treatment that we give you from the Murdochs. The great lineup of cars, unprecedented with the uh, remarkable uh, Hyundai lineup of SUVs. The Palisade is the most beautiful one out there. And it's just so, so uh, fabulous. Then the Santa Fe's, we have two of them with the Tucson, the Kona. We just bought the Ionic, which is the electric car, and could not be more pleased uh, with that <clears throat> and what we're seeing with the uh, with the Ionic and having that experience uh, so far. So if you're going to stop by Murdoch Hyundai, you'll notice that the Hyundai car gives you the most bells, whistles, and everything else. For the dollar, please do so. But email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. I'll set you up with Cam and Murray. I'll set you up with Jake out and Lyndon and get you with these great guys and have you have a super experience. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. The best odds, news, and scores anywhere. NBA odds to make the playoffs are up at Bet Online right now. The Utah Jazz odds to make the playoffs are minus. Ten thousand on a no plus two thousand. Bet ten dollars win twenty thousand dollars if the jazz make the playoffs this year. Can this roster? I think it's a play-in team as it's constructed right now. Is it worth seeing if we if the Jazz can make that bet and see if the Jazz get lucky or is the risk too big? NBA Player Futures, six man of the year award, Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, Bones Highland, and Malcolm Brogdon are the top four. For that, what about Jordan Clarkson or Colin Sexton? If you don't, st- or Mike Conley, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert plus four fifty, Draymond plus seven fifty, Robert Williams plus eight hundred, and Bam out of Bayou plus eight hundred with Giannis coming in at one thousand. Your top five MVP candidates for the year: number one is Luca, two Embiid, three Giannis, four. Durant, and five, Nikola Jokic. Those are the five top MVP candidates to the next tier where you can make some money. Jason Tatum, John Morant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Zion Williamson on the betting lines there. It's all at our friends at betonline.ag. The Jazz, let's see, what do we got? Where am I? I'm trying to find my screen to switch out of my, uh, there we go. I have so many things going on here today. It's hard to even find them all. All right, here we go. Uh, let's get back to your questions Uh, super stuff here and here is question what are your thoughts on birth order and professional athletes why are they the youngest and what do you think they are more firstborns? I wonder if this trend is different for coaches that last part is a fascinating part from Clint so I love this question and I think this is I ask this to every single one of our players and I'll compile it here uh, in the next day or two, and tweet it out and have it on the show. Uh, but almost all of our players are second, third, uh, youngest. Uh, I think they're competing. I think the youngest kid in the house is always trying to catch up. I think they're trying to they're trying to battle. And you know, f- you know, think about um, Colin Sexton. He talks about his older brother Jordan and how great he was, and he tries. You know, he was trying to compete with him all the time. And so I think you find that that's the case in most of these. That they have older siblings. In the house that they were trying to compete up for, whether it's even words in the car or oxygen in the room or sports, and, and it makes them more competitive. And then they work their way through, and that's when they make it um, along the way. I, coaches, you know, you would think that might be firstborns because firstborns are traditionally more rule following um, and So in that sense, that they could be the answer to that. That's a really, that's. thank you for asking that. Dan, what is your biggest surprise with the team? So I don't have a biggest surprise right now, frankly, um, but I have talked to enough people. And the biggest surprise talking to everyone right now is how well the team has come together in practice. That they're just, you know, there's really no reason why these guys should know each other, get along, be able to play together at all. But they've scrimmaged an awful lot in the opening three days. And they're really playing together. They're moving it. Um, and these aren't natural ball movers. Uh, our first show of the week was who's going to pass is the story of training camp. And so talking to people around the team, the, they're really impressed by the guys in how they have played together. More than kind of any individual, if that was you're asking. But the overall feeling of kind of the surprise so far. Now... When they go up against Toronto and they have the best, most athletic team in the NBA coming at them on every play, you know, do they still stay, are they still able to do that? Or do they revert back into the pressure circumstance of suddenly trying to take it themselves and not moving it? But in the structure of training camp so far, there have been a lot of ball movement, a lot of guys moving it, getting contagious. Um, and so I, that, I think, has been what has been the biggest surprise um, so far about camp. Let's go to our friend Lacey. Why am I so excited about Walker Kessler? Well, that sounds like a personal question to me, Lacey. Um, And I don't know that I can answer, but I think I can tell you why, why would you be so excited about Walker Kessler? Because he's got a great personality because he was super funny on media day because he uh, has just kind of a little aura to him as a youngster, almost a sheepish, geeky, lovable aspect to him as a youngster with great confidence. who's still a geek. Um, So all that now, STEP says, do you see Kessler getting significant minutes this season or is he going to develop slowly? This is a really and, and I know that's a little bit of what you were asking, Lacey. I, I think this is interesting to see. He's just so big. Right? He's he's got the first thing you need to be able to play, which he's just got incredible size. And so I'm he, if I was to answer our YouTube question of the day, Walker Kessler might be the thing I'm most interested to watch in the preseason. You know, he sat there with Thurl Bailey at one of our in our media sessions, kind of our get-to-knows, and broke down shop blocking and how you corral a guy and you do this, and I can block with both the right and the left hand, so it allows me to do this. I mean, the thought process was incredible. He talked about how much film study leads to his shop blocking And so is that something that's translatable to the NBA? Or does that just work on collegiate athletes? And now that you're playing the best players in the world, they actually get by you and you miss. I, I'm super curious to see that. He's... Um, he is uh, – he's He's just big. He's really, really big. He's a great, great shot blocker. Mike Conley shouted him out the other day in a press session uh, for how well he's been playing. Um, I think he might have a little bit more athleticism around the rim than we would think. That would be the other thing I'm curious to watch about him. Watching some of his Auburn film, usually a big guy catches a ball and has to coil – and then go up. Well, if you do that in the NBA, you're done. In the Auburn film, there's a bunch of times where he catches and just gets it back up in on an offensive rebound or even on there's a second jump every now and then. Um, the Carmelo, you know, is like the greatest second jump guy of all time. I don't know whether you can do that, whether he can do that amongst NBA bodies, being bounced and and, and beaten and, and and having equally athletic guys and arms around him like that. If he can, then now you're really starting to be able to play, Right. Then the next question is, can he run the floor? Okay, well, now you really can. And then the last question, the last piece of the puzzle is, can he get out in space and defend? And he struggled in that in his last NCAA game. So those are the things I'm watching. The first thing I just want to watch is, does his size translate? And can he still impact shots? The second thing is is, does some of the quick jump stuff I saw around the rim in college able to be done inside bodies? The third thing you want to you want to see about him is can he run the floor? Maybe that's even the second. Can he can he run the floor? Can he impact the game? Does is he mobile enough? Um, does his body work well enough? He you know he just has been trained as a basketball player his whole life, knowing where the game was going. He's kind of this next generation that even though he's seven feet tall, he he worked his game as a complete game. Um, and I guess that's number five, but I, I I wouldn't put that on the list this year of like whether he has offensive skills and that. Um, this was a question I just want to tip the hat to because this is actually what led to, I meant to have this earlier, Caden said, what is the data of the optimal starting lineup? So I want to thank Caden uh, for that because that led to that opening segment of the show and I meant to have that, uh, that piece earlier in the show. Uh, could this be the most athletic team we've had in a while? Could it translate to defense? Um, I will just say watching practice yesterday, it was a noticeably bigger team. Like that was the thing that jumped out to me watching practice yesterday was how big the team was. That the, They're just big, you know, whether it's Kessler, you know, we, we're missing Rudy, um, obviously. But, you know, we just like Conley, Donovan, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, Clarkson as our other primary players other than Whiteside and Gobert last year, we were small. Joe was big for his position, but otherwise we were undersized at every position. That didn't feel that way. Like Markkinen's huge. Markkinen is a legit seven foot, two foot. Forty, maybe, maybe two thirty-two, but he's really big. Vanderbilt is like an amazingly long live wire. You come to the come to the scrimmage next week and see Vanderbilt. Like his energy is remarkable. A Linux big. He's just a natural seven footer that moves the way he's just supposed to. Then you know. Then you've got who's really big, and we have a lot of seven footers floating around the building right now too. So I think that. um I would just say, is it the most athletic? You know, I think you're probably, Abaji's probably our most athletic player at this point. Um, Sexton definitely has an explosion level. We're younger. Uh, We've got just a bunch of 25-year-olds running around. I don't know. I, I really, you know, I think Balmero and Fonsecchio really can play the game well and do a lot of interesting things. And I think they're probably more athletic than they get credit for, for being European players. But I wouldn't think of them as like elite athletically um, just watching Abaji's tape at Kansas, his body moves at a different level than I think anybody you know we've had in a little while. Uh, who is going? What or who is going to be the sticky glue for this team? This is an interesting question. Um, so I think the answer on this one gets to be Kelly Alinek. and the Kelly Alinek is just a ball mover, and and ball movers are are super important players to have on your roster. And you get one ball mover, and that leads to a second, you know, the old knucklehead rule, right? Like, you get one knucklehead, you're fine. You get two knuckleheads, and now they have someone to talk to, and they bring a third guy into the conversation. Ball movers might be the same thing. You have one ball mover, and they're just kind of on an island. You get a, two ball movers, and now all of a sudden it's contagious. And so Linux is the first ball natural ball mover on this team, along with Mike. And then, as we talked about earlier this week, these are just not guys who've passed for their whole career. So it's going to be interesting to see does Malik Beasley become a ball mover? Does Colin Sexton? Can Jared Vanderbilt, who has not played with the ball in his hands very much, move the ball? Lowry Markkinen was, has really just become a catch and shoot guy the last few years. Can he be a playmaker and a ball mover? Um, Rudy Gay has never been a ball mover. He's always kind of gone into his package and done his deal. Like, does that is, are, can he then be, you know, so can these guys become. It, the glue to me is going to be a contagious characteristic that passes on from one guy to the next. And I think that's, that's really what we're talking about here a little bit. Uh, we'll continue. Great. More questions coming. Um, a few questions about Malik Beasley and what we have going on there. Will Hardy versus Quinn Snyder differences question coming up. You guys are great. I always love Friday. Ask LOJs. Cause you guys ask such amazing, great questions. Uh, Today's show in part is brought to you by uh, some good friends of mine over at Summit Capital. And Summit Capital is an interesting group out of Utah County. Um, M- Matt Peterson uh, and the crew, uh, as well as uh, Jeff and uh, David Lilywhite, uh, they, they're they a group of investors uh, that actually invested in Locked On. That's how I, um, the connection. And what they're looking for as kind of their signature, shall we call it, um, investments, are people who work for a company. The owners may be at kind of one stage, companies doing fine, but because of your your knowledge inside the company, your everything you know about who you are, um, you are able to maybe take this company to another level. And so you bring in Summit Capital and they provide the equity and they then fund you. The owner gets bought out and wins, and you and Summit Capital work together to move the company into new heights, expanding and building, and then you get the opportunity as an entrepreneur yourself to do that. It's a unique circumstance. They're great at this. When they uh, were with us, they didn't actually have a background in media, but they asked great questions, and they also stayed out of it. They didn't then decide because they had money that they were experts, which is what I really appreciated. Um, about them you can give Dave a call or give actually why don't you text Matt at 801-796-2033 that's 801-796-2033 or just email locked on jazz at com or summitcaputah.com if you can just check it out locked on jazz at com. check it out if something there sounds interesting to you thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day Huge, great NFL content for you all week long. The Prediction Show comes out today, uh, plus all that, plus you can go get um, locked on NBA Big Board as Rafael Barlow is in Paris right now watching Victor uh, to see what he's like and get all the latest scoop on that. So that is kind of awesome. All right, let's continue. Well, I, again, have just too many windows open today and trying to find my... Latest questions. There we go. Um, let's find the next question. You guys have done such a great job. Um, all along, I have said... dun da dun All along, you've said the most valuable picks are the Jazz own and a rebuild. Is there a threat of winning too many games with the current roster to be inside the top five of the draft? Yeah. If your goal is only the top five of the draft, our roster is better than that right now. There's no question. I think this team competes for a playing game right now as it's constructed this is like uh we don't have a top 100 player so it's gonna have to have great balance in what we're doing but we got guys who can play and we got guys a coaching staff that's gonna work with guys to play and so got, it's not as though you're gonna you know they're not they're like if you like they don't care about top five pick will hard doesn't care like colin sexton doesn't care um so I, I think when you're looking at this, you're going to have... Yeah, this roster as it right now is, I think, going to be able to play and win some games. Is it possible to have an under-dipped Oreo cookie? Or by the time they get to the NBA level, does everyone get ample opportunity to prove themselves? No, I think that's... Um, I think there's a total chance of having an underdipped Oreo cookie. That's kind of my whole Oreo cookie point. The Oreo cookie itself is beautiful. Really nice. Fabulous creation by Nabisco. And that is... um and it's great. Like, you can't, like, Oreo cookies are outstanding. If you don't do any of the Oreo cookie, it's still outstanding. That's an NBA player. They're wildly skilled. You dip the Oreo cookie in milk. And if you don't dip it very much, it's still kind of just an Oreo cookie. You dip it too much, and it crumbles and falls apart. And then you got Oreo sloshy, yucky Oreo cookie at the bottom of your milk cup. And you're like, dang it. Because I don't really want to drink the milk. I just want to dip the Oreo cookie in it. But if you submerge the Oreo cookie in the milk just the perfect amount of time, then it's, like, decadent. And that's what you're trying to do with an NBA player. You can overdip an Oreo cookie, you can underdip an Oreo cookie, and you can do the same with NBA players. That's the whole concept of that analogy. Of all the players that are currently on the team, how many players will legitimately still be on the team when the Jazz are actually competing, competitive and competing, or is it too soon and possibly none of the players? I mean, possibly none. I think what's interesting about the Jazz right now is – where Colin Sexton and Lowry marketing fit, um, and then Walker Kessler and Obaji and Fon and Balmero and all these other guys, Jared Butler, um, if any of them emerge, but the two big ones are Sexton and Marketin are 23, 24 years old. So they' they're, at a, they're at a, and Malik Beasley, they a stage where they can be really, really productive players for us. As we're moving forward, from G Jeepers, what differences and similarities should we expect to see in coaching styles from Hardy versus Quinn in terms of tone and leadership, as well as on-court play? So honestly, I don't have an answer here, and I really kind of want to let Will Hardy just be Will Hardy. Um, I understand we've had the same coach for eight years, and for a long time, like we didn't let Quinn Snyder be Quinn Snyder because it was always in the ilk of being Jerry Sloan. And so, the sooner we can let Will Hardy just be Will Hardy and not be Will Hardy in the shadow of Quinn Snyder would be better if we could have done it faster for Quinn Snyder I think it would have been good he had at least the Tyrone Corbin bump between the two but there was like like you know is this like Jerry into so I don't have the answer um I think Will seems remarkably comfortable um from everyone that everybody's talked about you can hear it from the players as a you know young head coach and then he's gonna have he's gonna have little growing pains and mistakes and things are gonna happen fast and you know I was talking to guys who have coached anybody who's ever coached their first NBA game I've talked to uh, that I have access to about what it's like and whether it's a first summer league game or NBA game, or I remember talking to Jeff Hornacek about it when he took over Phoenix um, his first year. And he's, you know, just, you think you know everything and then you have 3000 decisions coming at you at all times. And, you know, you can suddenly be drawing up a play and a timeout and realize you don't have that personnel on the floor for that play. And you're like suddenly, you know, there's just a lot going on. So I'm sure there's going to be some little bumps in the road here for Will. And we just have to let him have it. Um, oops, that was I've already asked, answered that question. Would you rather this team is actually bad this year but we get the number 1 pick or the team is better than expected and we make the playoffs but lose in the first round? Well, I mean, I think if I could get the number 1 pick, I would just take the number 1 pick, but I don't think that's guaranteed. Why didn't the Laker deal get done? Seemed win-win. Did the brass cut off our nose despite the Lakers' face? No, I think the I, I think the Lakers the premise of everything I said about the Lakers and them making that deal and having to make that deal was that they were in win now mode, but they have LeBron and Anthony Davis and they're in win now mode. There's a little bit of a school of thought out there that LeBron and Anthony Davis asked for Russell Westbrook, put the team in the bind and the franchise is not entirely willing to go acquiesce to them again to solve their problems that they created. Um, But it's clear that they weren't willing to give up two first round draft picks. um, And, Uh, It's not entirely clear they're willing to give up one first-round draft pick, or if you're taking Russell and getting, you know, players, maybe you're getting one first-round draft pick. So let's see over time how this plays out for them or what they end up getting. But as of right now, it's clear that both with Indiana and Utah, they weren't willing to give up the second pick, and they wanted you to take Russell's contract. So that's a big ask on their part. No one took it. So right now, I would say, consider the fact, like, the Jazz traded with Cleveland for Donovan Mitchell That, to me, is a Nick issue. Like, if you're the Knicks, you made a conscious effort to not put your price up high enough to go get Donovan Mitchell, who the Jazz were willing to trade. When the Lakers have not yet traded Russell Westbrook, it's not an Indiana or Utah or whoever else was in the conversation issue. It's a Laker issue. That's the way I look at that. All right. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks so very much for tuning in. Your questions are always absolutely outstanding. I super appreciate it. Um, The last question was... uh, I don't think I got to, actually. I probably should, because I think I had a tease to Malik Beasley. Is this the last question? Um, No. Oh, this was whether I was going to have more fun this year. But nobody really wants to know that. But I appreciate Bogdano Grouch asking. Um, There was another question that was about what is Malik Beasley's role. And I I think Malik Beasley... Malik Beasley's really an elite, elite shooter in the NBA. Um, And I think he's, like... He could have a really good year. He really, really can shoot it. Like, one of the better shooters... Like, high-level, high-level, high-level shooter with a quick release... Um, and can get it off quick and willing to take it in transition and do some things. He's pretty important to this roster. Um, and I, I think the, the, the optimum lineup conversation today was really interesting about the idea that maybe you don't start Sexton and Conley um, and that you let Beasley start instead was a was an interesting conversation. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Nick, Locked on NBA Big Board your second listen. Get all the great NFL content at Locked on NFL.